Welcome to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. In a troubled world riddled with endless pursuits, we have a place of peace and rest in Jesus Christ. We invite you to join us in worshiping Him and following Him in a life-transforming journey. Now, here's my friend Mark to introduce today's sermon. Good morning, Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho welcomes you. Are you aware Jesus knows your every thought? Do you know when you accept Jesus into your heart, he abides in you through the Holy Spirit? In today's message, Romans chapter 5, we hear about Christ overcoming sin for each of us as we are in him. Sin is in our nature, yet in Jesus, his power changes us. Sin is not only about what we do, it's about who we are, a fallen creature. In Romans chapter 3, we have all fallen short of God's glory without a Savior, without a forever permanent rescue. We're trapped and drawn back to sin again. We need the forever love of Jesus. We've been forgiven by Christ's sacrifice of blood on the cross. We're assured of the forever forgiveness of all our sin, a sure knowledge of our salvation in Christ alone. So what was the sin? Was it the fruit? And no, it was not an apple. Everyone thinks apple, whatever. God knows what fruit it was. Now, was it sin? Was it something in the fruit? Was it something with a tree? Of course not. That sin was disobedience. It's something you fight with your children from the day they're born. Even dogs know when they're disobedient. How many videos and how many times in your house you've come home and the whole house is torn apart. You say, who did it? And they shy away and walk away with their tail between their legs. We've got disobedience rooted within our heart. Exactly what you're told not to do, that's exactly what you want to do. It's sin. And if that wasn't bad enough, Adam blamed everyone but himself. Look at Genesis 3.12. The man said, The woman! Not me! She made me do it. Yeah, she's good looking. And I do love her. That fruit looked good. And then it promises, <clears throat> The woman! He blamed her. Blamed his wife. Wait a minute. The woman you gave me. We blame others, and when that doesn't work, the longer you stay within the realm of that sinful reaction, you begin to blame God. You gave me that woman. You gave me this job. You gave me this church. You gave me these people. You gave me this boss. It is you. It is the woman you gave me. She gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Woman, God, woman. Now, it's significant that Paul makes no mention of the woman in this text. Even though we see in Scripture she's noted to be the mother of all living. It could be, and you're thinking, she might have also have been thought that she too would have been considered a progenitor of that sin of the race. The apostle does not say, however, as by one woman sin entered into the world. Although, in a sense, that may be true. But it doesn't put the blame on her. 
the idea is that she was deceived and he disobeyed. He knew exactly what he was doing. If Adam had not sinned, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2.14, 1 Timothy 2.14, and Adam was not deceived. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what God commanded because God commanded him, not her. She learned from him what God has said, so he knew directly from God, do not eat of the tree. He was not deceived. He made a choice. But the woman being deceived was in transgression. Think about this. If Adam had not sinned, Eve would have suffered the punishment alone. Although she was deceived, it was when Adam transgressed the commandment God had given him that sin entered into the world and he was brought to ruin. The commandment of forbidding of the forbidding of the fruit of the tree was not given to Eve. It was given to Adam as the representative of the human race. And Adam made a choice. His disobedience came from the fact that he didn't trust God. He had a dilemma. My wife will die if I obey God. Or we will die. I love her too much. Do I love her more than God? He made a choice. Not believing that God had their best interest at heart. He disobeyed. And actually, this alludes to Satan's lie with what he's always had to deal with as Lucifer, the fact that God is holding back from you, that God is not giving you all that you deserve and all that's coming to you. God could have done, but he didn't. Therefore, you got to do it. It was Adam's sin of disobedience. Think about it. For a brief moment, Adam was still innocent. And Eve was not. Would you want to be in that dilemma? That is why, if you understand this love, you'll understand when the scripture says that Jesus, husbands love your wives as Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for her. Jesus died to bring back life as Adam died to bring in death. Or Adam disobeyed to bring in death. And we see the fact about Jesus that he obeyed. He obeyed. He obeyed as a son. He obeyed in suffering. His obedience went all the way to death. Reversing all that Adam had done. Jesus makes everything new. For a brief moment, Adam was innocent. Eve was not. He was the head. Eve was not. And though they were one flesh... Adam was responsible. That's why in chapter 5, you see five different times, the reference is that Adam is the representative man of mankind. In addition, although it's stated, as by one man sin entered into the world, Adam is a type of Christ as the head of the human race. Eve could have never taken this position and responsibility upon her shoulders. It was not given to her. Eve had been deceived. She brought in a transgression through her deception, but Adam was guilty of disobedience. Adam made a choice. He chose Eve. He chose to disobey God. And he chose death. 
Now, why is sin so bad? Of what all that he had done. Is death is sin deserving of such death? Was God too cruel? How could this be so fair? If you look at scripture, you'll see that sin is the most heinous thing that we can do in affronting God. It's vulgar. It's uncouth. It's it's abominable. It's outrageous. Sin is shocking. It's hateful. Two things that we see about the evil nature of sin that have been an affront to God. Sin is, bottom line, disobeying God. Rebelling against God. It acts against God. It fights against God. It struggles against God. Sin goes against everything that God is and God says. Sin, like Lucifer, is an insurrection against God. And by the way, as I'm saying these, remember that sin is flowing through your veins. Do you need Jesus? For all eternity we need Jesus. We need Him now and tomorrow. And the only way to defeat this sin is by surrendering and allowing Jesus to keep on renewing the inner man. This sin is to turn away from the supreme being, a God that is love, and commit the ultimate offense of disobedience. And the ultimate offense deserves the ultimate punishment, which is death. But in all this that God has allowed, we see the glorious love of God rising in spite of our sin and failure. The only way to truly see the love of God is to see how His love overcomes the ultimate sin and offense against God, disobeying Him, where Jesus is the one that bore the ultimate punishment of death. How do you know how much God loves? By forgiving and by allowing His own Son to die in His holy innocence for our sin. His love is the supreme love, a love that has sacrificed the greatest thing in the world, which is His Son, while we're yet sinners. And this sin against God, this egregious offense, secondly, we see that this sin cost God the ultimate price, the supreme sacrifice of Jesus. God being God is perfect love and is perfect love. He is bound to prove his love by providing one way for man to be saved, to be forgiven of his sin. And that way to choose that he chose that way to save man had to be a perfect salvation in his son in whom he is well pleased. The origin of sin, knowing where it's coming and the foundation and how our battle is real. Paul says, okay, now you understand that. It's Adam's fault. It's your fault. Not only for what you have been done, but it's who you are because you've been born. And now he wants to describe the outcome of sin. If that happened within Adam's life, here's what it happens to you in the whole world ever since. Here's the outcome. Verse 12, the end of verse 12. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, 
but sin is not counted where there is no law. In a way, starting with verse 13 all the way to verse 17, Paul begins a parenthesis argument against all of the different objections that may come up. Well, how fair is God then if, if people before Moses did not have the law, why are they guilty? And they still died. So it begins to explain all of these different possible arguments, therefore covering the full gamut, the spectrum of this devastating reality of sin. And if I understand that, I'm going to run as fast as I can, as quickly as I can, whenever temptation rears its ugly head, for I know that behind that shadow of temptation is sin, and sin brings with itself death. And therefore, my life will be completely different the way I live victoriously. For we must understand the outcome of sin. When Adam was created in his innocence, he was free from death. They would have lived forever. Death came as a result of his disobedience. Isn't that the truth in everything that we experience? Whenever there's disobedience, whenever there's sin, there's a, something dies. Relationship, opportunity, family relationships. The result of Adam's sin simply was death. Now, how do we know this, both spiritual and physical? As you read in Genesis in the first chapters, after, after every lineage description, you got three words, and he died. He lived this long, he had this many children, and he died. His corruptible nature, man's corruptible nature, Adam's corruptible nature was passed on to his children and generations throughout all history of men. And here we are. We die. Adam was a sinner. His descendants after him partook in his fallen nature. It's impossible for the progenitor of the race to have a fallen nature of sin and for those that he gives birth to or, or his generations that follow would not have the same nature. That's why, you know, if, if I have arthritis within my bones, it's their fault. And their parents' fault. Are they to be blamed? Not necessarily. It's sin. Oh my, how your son is just like you. Because you, 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 you birthed them. Your life imprinted upon them from within. It's exactly what happened to Adam until today. Sin within our own veins. The concluding proof of this condemnation is that death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. The whole human race is covered by the same statement, regardless of the race or standing. We are sinners. Death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. God clarifies it even more. Open to Ezekiel chapter 18. Ezekiel 18, where God comes back and says, listen, even though it started with Adam, you're still responsible, each one of you. 18 verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. The son who sh shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. In a way, the regeneration is embedded with the sin. And because of that nature, we are individually responsible and guilty because we sin. So we're embraced. 
And that's why we need Jesus more than anything else. Every minute and hour of the day. Nor the fathers will suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteous of the righteous. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself. And the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But no one is able to claim innocence. Well, I, I don't sin. If people are asked on the street sometimes, have you, are you a sinner? Well, I've never killed anyone. I expect to go to heaven. I've never stolen a large amount of money. So we think of our own filters and standards to which we want to achieve in the easiest way possible. So we don't have to recognize the fact that we are sinners. Even our best miserable putrid cloth, even our best... Good deeds and actions is nothing but a dirty cloth before God. Isaiah 64, 6. We all have become like the one who is unclean, meaning leper. And all our righteous deeds, the best of the best that you've done is like a polluted garment. And because of all that, because of all this sin, we all fade like a leaf in our iniquities. Like the wind, take us away. And yet, we hear this, we acknowledge its truth as we label it on others without taking that deep reflection saying, this is me. Yes, I've been forgiven. I've been transformed. But I got to remember that within my flesh, there's no good. Like fools, we try to impress all those who will listen that we're not worthy. I hear people contradicting themselves, saying, to God be the glory. But I've done this, and I've given this much, and I've gone that far to all who will listen. In the end, we say, I am. Get it? Because of sin, we lift ourselves up. Sin was indeed in the world before the law was given, says Paul, further explaining the depths and darkness of this sin. The law had nothing to do with it. Sin was in the world before the law was given. But you know what? Sin is not counted where there's no law. Then you got to ask the question, well, why did he die? If there's no law, in the period between Adam and Moses, there was no direct revelation. There was no laws given, right? And God did not give the Ten Commandments of what's right, what's wrong. And yet, even though it wasn't spoken or written, sin, as a transgression, Paul says, was not taken into account, into man's account. But if there's no law, why did men die just the same? Paul answers it. Why? Because death reigned. From Adam to Moses. The universality of sin and its result that all people are sinners is not accepted by all. And Paul wants to prove it. The fact that there was sin within them, they all died. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you believe that? Let me ask you a question. If you say, yes, I believe all have sinned, can you truly say it? I have sinned. I'm the one. I don't have time to look at you because my sin is so egregious. I have sinned and I'm so short 
of God's glory. And yet some, where John comes in saying, if, any of, if anyone says that we, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Eve was deceived, and now we're being deceived by believing that we are not guilty, and the truth is not in us. In this, these verses right here, Paul seeks to prove that death was not principally the result of their personal sins of mankind, but rather the outcome of being descended from a fallen head, a a fallen leader, Adam. Death was inevitable because all partook in Adam's sin, and the proof is evident that all have died. What kind of sin? Well, just look through Genesis. The murder of Abel by his brother. We haven't done nothing except worshiping the right way. Cain killed him. The ungodliness against Enoch, or the ungodliness that Enoch was preaching against. How about the Tower of Babel? How about the immorality of the Sodomites? All of these are evidence of the depths of sin in which humanity had descended. And actually, if you look at these, we're describing today. There's murder among brothers and nations and people and and society, much of it. But no, 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 it's the gun's fault. No, if there were no guns, we'd be using sticks. If there were no sticks, we'd be using our own hands. We murder because sin. Ungodliness of the nations, everywhere you turn your head, you can't believe it. The Tower of Babel, you know what that is in today's term? Let's go to Mars. Earth is not about to hold on. So many people, we got to go. We got to build a tower so high that we can evade any judgment. Let's go to Mars. It's happening today. Same mindset, same sin, and the immorality of Sodomites. Well, you know, no need to add anything there. So much sin between Adam and Moses. Genesis 6, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually, and the Lord regretted. The word regretted in Hebrew means grieved, or he regretted and he was grieved, or the, and it grieved him to his heart. That word means to cut, to hurt, to be in pain. The Lord regretted that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him into his, in his heart. Sin. Praise God, there's hope. This forgiveness. And this sin from which we were delivered upon the moment of the Lord being in our lives and being made a new creation, that strength of the resurrection is available and it is powerful that we would say no to sin. Oh, the struggle will be until the day we die or be taken away. But there's strength redemption against that sin. And that's where eventually Paul is going to come to that point in talking about this one that is to come. We do not defeat sin by saying magic words. We defeat sin as we abide in Him, being one with Christ in the way we live, in the way we struggle, in the way we stand victorious. This is the tragedy of sin, but it's not meant to be the life for the righteous ones. 
which is you and me in Christ. Before Jesus, sin only showed we lived a lie. We cannot run from sin because we cannot outrun ourselves. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Your love comes after us, forgives, restores, and confronts us. As we confess our sin, you forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Next week, we continue the rising glory of grace, a new life in Christ. Thank you for listening to Scriptures for Life, a ministry of Trinity Evangelical Free Church in Boise, Idaho. For more information about our church, visit us online at trinityefcboise.org or by phone, 208-322-8801. Our church is located at 1777 North Allenbaugh Street in Boise. We'd love for you to join us for Sunday worship at 11 a.m. Join us next week at this time as we go through and apply God's Word on Scriptures for Life.